Welcome to This Endorian Life, a Star Wars podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My name is Steve Rudd. I'm Nick Gunning, and we're following the Ewoks from Return of the Jedi to the Ewoks TV series, the 80s cartoon, and beyond. And beyond. So today, we are continuing the Ewoks cartoon, discussing Season 1, Episode 3, The Rampage of the Flogs. This episode originally aired on television September 21st, 1983. Five. I was a, a mere two-year-old boy when that came out. <laughs> so you out. don't have you don't have memories of have fond memories gathering of around the big giant floor set TV, moving the rabbit ears, so you can watch Ewoks <laughs> TV dinner tray with the fam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did do that though. But yeah, not, I was going to say your family TV. seems like maybe they would have been gathering around a TV watching the Ewoks oh, at totally this time. Were. Okay, it, and it was like. It was always Je- Jeopardy every night. Jeopardy. TV dinner. TV okay. dinner Jeopardy every night. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Star Trek. Because Star Trek was after Jeopardy. Oh, okay. Like, All right. Like in but the anyway. early days? Wow. Oh, yeah. Like in the early days. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Oh, yeah. Sounds yeah, good to me. I mean, I would I would was... take a TV dinner and some Jeopardy. That's fine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Rampage All right, Nick, of the hey. Flogs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, 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 I will, I will divulge to, div- yes, I will divert to you, divert. How about you bring us through the casting group? <laughs> you really porky-pigged that for a minute. How about a puberty? <laughs> All right. This episode, uh, as the past few have been, was compiled with three others to make the feature-length story, uh, The Haunted Village. And on VHS, it was called Morag's Revenge. Once again, written by Paul Dini and directed by Ken Stevenson and Raymond DeFelice. So no change there. But I think next episode, we'll at least get a new writer. So we'll take a look at that when it comes. Yeah. Our featured cast member this week. Okay, this is weird. Uh, I've, I chose Jackie Burroughs, who plays Morag. According to IMDb, Morag is in only in four episodes. So, like, yeah. if that's correct, we're only going to see Morag one more time after this, which is kind of weird because I thought we were setting her up as, like, the heavy. But I think that's true. I think my kids have been watching ahead. Okay. I mean, they've gone through it, like, three or four times yeah. now. It's only two seasons. And no more Morag. And- and they've been telling their cousins about it, so now they're watching oh, wow. Ewoks, too. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> somewhere no, somewhere no the Disney Plus people are like, what the heck? Why, why <laughs> is all of New Jersey watching the Ewoks show? <laughs> if only my seven-year-old nieces and nephews yeah. listen to our, our podcast, we'd have board. so many listeners. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so, Maybe they should. Yeah. so I guess we got to talk about Morag while we still have a Morag, but... yeah. Not a long list of voice credits, actually. Much more live-action stuff. Lots of TV series, uh, lots of movies, some voice work Mm -hmm. here and there. Pretty extensive career uh, in television and film. She was in movies like The Dead Zone and Fever Pitch. Okay. She was in The Twilight Zone. She was in Smallville. She also did some voice work in Care Bears. She did voice work in a show called Angela Anaconda and more recently Scaredy Squirrel. So a pretty diverse list of credits for jackie burroughs who plays morag yeah four times in the ewoks that's crazy because i love fever pitch and i looked at a photo huh. of her okay and i don't remember her at all you love feet like the jimmy fallon oh yeah Drew Barrymore, I, fever pitch. I was just talking about this the other day with somebody really? i love baseball movies okay but i hate watching baseball interesting yeah like okay field of dreams what's your favorite uh, baseball movie uh, probably Field of Dreams is okay. one of my favorite baseball movies. But I was talking about like A League of Their Own. Like, oh, that's such great. Such a great yeah. flick. Like, I love that movie. And yeah, like Fever Pitch is another one. Sand, oh no, probably Sandlot's my favorite. Sandlot. 
you know, but Sandlot is close to like being a coming of age movie. Yeah. With just a baseball theme. Yeah, that's true. To it. I mean, it could be anything, you know, it could be Comic-Con or something just, or Pokemon. Uh, a few, yeah. few months back from now, I went out to visit my sister in Utah and a lot of Sandlot was filmed in Utah. So we went to like, oh, really? we looked at the field and we went to one of the houses where it was filmed and stuff. So we did like a impromptu little Sandlot tour. So oh, that's fun. I guess I didn't know that you like baseball movies. That's fun. I love baseball movies. Okay. I do not like, you know, like Rookie of the Year. Like those, <laughs> those things, yeah. like Angels in the Outfield, just those, there was like that 90s yeah. and early 2000s wave of baseball films that just, I don't know, it's there's something about sports films. Like yeah. when I watched the movie Rush by uh, Ron Howard. Oh, yeah, with uh, the Chris drivers, Hemsworth, right? Yeah, yeah. After that movie, I looked at my wife and we're both like, I want to watch Formula One. I want to watch racing now. Like, wow. I was so charged and okay. amped up. So there's something about sports movies, huh. except for basketball. I don't really – I mean, there's only one good basketball sports movie, and that's Space Jam, the original. <laughs> but, uh, like, the new Space Jam was just, like, a rinse and repeat, oh. washed-out version of, of the old one. But, but to, I'm sorry. We are <laughs> – <laughs> you're gonna no. have to edit all this out no 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 I'll, i'm keeping all that baseball content in okay, absolutely good. it's funny because i wouldn't have said that i love baseball movies but i don't think you named a movie that i don't like so maybe i love baseball movies yeah that's i mean it was a, it was kind of funny because i was watching the field of dreams game uh-huh. and i was just like man this is so cool yeah and i watched it for about five minutes and i was like oh it's baseball <laughs> so it sucks <laughs> Fickle. <laughs> but like I, I just thought it was so cool and then like the scenes like the, it was just a beautiful sunset and it, it just was cool it was cool to watch for a All little right. bit and then i was like oh yep this is that's baseball it. that's your that's your limit okay and, yeah. so anyway don't recognize her but i love that movie so i don't know maybe i'll have to go back and watch it again okay and that all stemmed out of jackie burrows who voices morag <laughs> being in the movie fever pitch <laughs> jimmy fallon and Drew Barrymore. But today we're talking about Rampage of the Flog. Steve, are you ready to take us on this journey? I'm ready to go on it with you. We open this episode to Nisa and Latara enjoying a peaceful raft ride down the river. Nisa playfully teases Latara about how smitten she is over Tebow. Before Latara can really protest, they are both sent flying into the shore by a giant wave. The giant wave was caused, ironically, by a family of giants. Nisa declares they are called flogs and fears they have returned to the forest. Both of them return to the village and alert Chief Chirpa and the council. During the council meeting, Milani sneaks in to see what's up. Upon seeing Wicket, she asks him if he likes her new hat. He grunts a reply and diverts his attention back to the council. That, however, doesn't stop Milani from inching up to him to talk about all the things they could do together. It's quite obvious that Milani is smitten for Wicket, not listening to her at all, but hearing her, Wicket asks her to quiet down. Milani is perturbed by Wicket's lack of attention to her. Low Gray's voice cuts through the room with a warning about the flogs. They are usually calm and peaceful. Stay out of their way and never make them angry. At this point, the flogs have set up camp in a large field. A playpen has already been set up with the baby flog secured inside. The elder flog seems intent on moving a humongous boulder and asks his older son to help. Now unattended, the baby flog breaks out of its pen and crawls into the forest where it finds a wild forest cat. Normally, this feral cat would be large and dangerous to Ewoks, but the baby flog picks up the forest cat and cuddles with it briefly 
before it runs back into the fo- into the forest, hissing angrily. The baby flog crawls further into the forest and is attacked by Morag's spider-mounted minions. The flog baby is frightened and begins to cry loudly. Suddenly, powerful magic rushes through the forest, which we find came from the evil Morag. Morag quiets the baby down with a spell just before enchanting the baby into a deep sleep so her minions may easily take it away. In the flog encampment, it is discovered that the baby flog is gone missing. The mother flog shouts in distress and all the flogs run into the forest to try and find their baby. The father finds the tracks of his baby along with some conveniently placed Ewok clothing Mm. and weapons. Morag's deception is successful and the flogs are convinced the Ewoks stole their child. Nearby, seeing the flogs run off screaming, Ewoks! <laughs> Morag celebrates her plan's success so far and eludes to a perfect place to keep the child. The Dulocks. Back at their camp, the Dulocks protest at the thought of wet nursing a baby flog. After threats from Morag, they agree to watch the child and even feel a sense of sorrow for the poor Ewoks, knowing the flogs will wipe them out but not as sorry for himself as he's instantly picked up and cuddled by the flog baby. Back in the forest, Milani climbs a tree and discovers a small forest creature that she begins to play hide and seek with. The other Ewok kids jump through the trees, teasing Wicket about how Milani has a crush on Wicket. (laughs) Milani overhears Wicket admit that his only interest in Milani is as a friend and she runs away crying. Soon after, the small creature that Milani was playing with lets the group know Milani overheard them and ran away, crying. They go after her into the woods. While searching, the trees magically speak to Tebow, telling him Milani came that way, but also warns of danger. The flog father bursts through the trees and chases after them. They take shelter in a hollow log that they are able to get to roll down the hill. The log breaks into pieces over a cliff and they fall into the river, which takes them away from danger. The group decides they need to look for Milani and also warn the village of the rampaging flogs. Tebow and Wicket decide to look for Milani while Nisa and Latara go warn the village. At their camp, the Dulocks are having a difficult time taking care of the crying flog child. The shaman discovers that the reason it's upset is it needs its diaper changed. The other Dulocs run away knowing the job needs to be done. After changing the baby's diaper, the Duloc chieftain ties up the baby to a tree. When the chieftain walks away, the flog baby easily pulls the tree out of the ground and drags it out of the Duloc camp and into the woods. In the woods, Milani weeps because she is still hurt knowing Wicked doesn't like her. She discovers the flog baby whose leash becomes tangled in some trees. She helps them tie the baby, and they instantly become friends. Wicked and Tebow discover them together, and Milani asks if she can keep the baby flog for herself. Tebow has a plan to return the baby back to its parents so the Ewoks are left alone. But before they can do anything, the baby flog catches the scent of yummy food and runs off. Wicked and Tebow manage to grab the rope still tied to the baby's foot and are dragged off along with Milani. The scent of food is coming from the Duloc camp where they cooked it to help draw the baby back. Milani, Wicket, and Tebow are all captured. Back in the forest, the flogs lay siege to the Ewoks' village and surrounding trees. 
A large boulder strikes the cliffside that Nisa and Latara are laying against, and they fall. Logre quickly speaks an incantation, and a nearby tree catches the little girls in its branches. Back at the Dulak camp, Milani is still mad at Wicket. Wicket apologizes for calling Milani names. Milani accepts the apology and squeezes Wicket. The Dulak queen teases Nisa for singing to the flog baby and tells her to sing for the Dulak chieftain. The song Nisa sings is soothing, and with the help of some trilling hummingbirds, the song puts everyone to sleep. The Ewoks and Flog Baby escape. Meanwhile, the Ewoks prepare to battle the Flogs using their catapults, except the catapults are absolutely harmless to the Flogs. Before the Flogs begin to attack the Ewok village, the young Ewoks come rushing in, holding the large baby. The Flog family reunites, and the baby tells them that the Ewoks are good and the Dulocs are bad. Speaking of the Dulocs, they come rushing into the village to retrieve the baby and are swiftly run off by the Flog father. The Ewoks laugh hysterically. Discouraged by the whole ordeal, the Dulok shaman encourages the chieftain, reminding him that despite everything, nothing more could go wrong. But at that moment, Morag discovers the hiding Dulocs and they nervously attempt to explain how they failed. But before they can finish, they are shocked by Morag's lightning. Back at the Ewok village, the Flogs thank the Ewoks and agree to be friends. Together again, the Flog family say their goodbyes and continue their journey into the forest. Roll credits. Mm, I'm a little on the fence about this one. I don't know. I know, me too. This one was... Like, I don't know. I feel like it was more compelling, but at the same time, I wanted there be, to be more consequences, right? I wanted to see the walk suffer, actually, which is kind of <laughs> dark. Like, well, I know, dark, but yeah. One of the things that stood out to me is I thought, well, this is actually a very clever plan that Morag yes. is doing here. You know, I mean, it's just obviously if she was really evil she would have just killed that flog baby so that nothing would have happened i'm not i'm not advocating yeah. that she kills the flog baby i'm just you saying said i'm dark because Jeez. it's a, because <laughs> because it's a cartoon obviously yes but uh you know you, i think the you plan you wanted you wanted the baby to be doomed <laughs> yes of course. i just mean i thought the plan was really solid like taking yes. these sort of hapless you know pretty harmless characters and turning them into villains to fight the ewoks and it's all just because of this manipulation i thought that was really clever but then it quickly just becomes like a oop i tripped and farted kind of show yeah exactly just, well i don't she know the baby in charge yeah of the dulocs or the dulocs in charge of the baby excuse right. me and that's where they that was her mistake right that it was the the Dulocs are known for that kind of like mild antagonists yeah. that just are funny and hilarious and then they, they but they, they're not responsible so that was the that was the you know the weakest part of her plan that she let them take care of the baby but it was clever because it was her way out too right so ev if the baby was ever discovered it would be discovered with the Dulocs and not her right that's because that thought had occurred to me like oh why didn't she just bring the baby back to like her castle and just put it in like the cave right keep it in the cave but like you know i mean if they ever eventually found her you know they yeah. destroy her that's you know? true i mean in that way it, it is kind of a perfect plan because like they take out the ewoks and then they could be like hey we found this baby and then the flogs are just like oh cool our baby and then they leave so like dead ewoks yes. no harm no foul so again yeah at that point like oh we found your baby plan yeah. it just becomes i don't know i just i didn't like it like we we kind of we kind of dragged the first two episodes for repeating a plot 
point pretty nakedly. And this one is yeah. different. This one is different, but it's weaker also. I do it, have yeah, to I know. Say, That's why I was like, it's compelling, but... Uh, yes, it exactly. It doesn't, of... it doesn't quite stick the landing. Yeah. Um, I will say that I liked that we started with a character moment. You know, we've been talking about how in the last two episodes, you don't really get a lot mm-hmm. about the characters. But that opening scene with Nisa and Latara just talking and hanging out and having crushes and things yeah. was actually like a bit of character development that I think we've been missing. So, again, there's a place where it had a bit of strength. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And we're kind of introduced to Milani, who was in the first episode, and she was one of the three Ewoks at the the Festival of Hoods yes. where she got her hood. So. Yeah, so we are, you know, so I think you're right. We're since this episode is one of those four episodes, we're going to get a lot of of stuff, you know, from the first and second episode. And she does remind Wicked, oh, like, oh, I have my hood now, so yeah, I'm part of the tribe, you know, continuity there. Yeah, so there's some continuity and you know some you know some referencing to previous episodes. But I really felt like all of the characters, I I don't know, like Tebow got more play. This to me, I feel like almost would have been a better pilot. In some ways, just because yeah. you spend a little time with each of the characters, but or if they if they made the first episode and then this was the second episode, yeah. I feel like that would have been you know really what? good. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. The little, yeah, because the, the creature what, it was called like a a munyip or do you know what I'm talking about? The, the little creature that she plays with. Yes. Oh, I didn't look that up. That it, is actually that has a name. I wrote it. I mean, what I wrote down is is like <laughs> Munyip, M-U-N-Y-I-P, and I don't know where I got that from, but that's what my scratchy notes say. But that thing <laughs> gave that me up. some uh, gave me some teak vibes from Battle for Endor. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was yeah. playing kind of a similar role. So, yep. you know, I like that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a lot of that. I feel like. So this one also. Tebow like knows magic and mystical things. Oh, okay. And I remember watching and being like, "Whoa, what?" (laughs) You know, they're running into the woods looking for Milani, and he hears like the Mm. of the trees, the wind going through the trees. The tree spirits are talking to him. I see. And then we see Low Gray. He says, "Oh, the trees told me she's gone this way, but also danger." Like he says it in this like really weird way, right? Because the trees, I guess, aren't can't enunciate properly. I guess not. No has come this way and there is danger ahead you know yeah. like things like that but uh yeah so he's has a connection to the forest well, and then low gray asks that basically does that incantation and the tree bends and catches right girls so like this is our first introduction into the, the real the tree spirits yeah right? we've only heard about them but now we're actually seeing them at work. Well, Sally was talking about in the last episode how, you know, the the main difference in the way that's handled is that the Star Wars movies tend to always explain away their their magic or their mysticism elements. Science, But this is a little bit more just, like, nakedly magic. And it makes sense that, like, Logre can't be the only one who has any bit of, like, contact with the magic world. So it's kind of nice to see... I, and I don't know, like, they probably never get too deep into it, but is it only certain people have that? Or you have to, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, does Logre have yeah. an apprentice? I don't know. But it it, it kind of hints at, like, I guess, roles or casts. Yeah. You know, systems, like, how, how their people work. Like, mm-hmm. you, know, it, you know, it made me think of, like, oh, okay, Tebow kind of has this power, so maybe he'll eventually take Logre's position. Yeah. Right? Like, in the future, that would be his job, or he'd be an apprentice. Right. And so, 
you know, what would Wicket, and I began to think like, well, what would Wicket do? You know, right. what about Princess Nisa? You know, will Princess Nisa eventually take over the tribe? You know, and Tebow will then be the shaman for the Ewoks yeah. and things like that. You know, like, will Wicket be Chief Chirpa? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's everyone, you know, everyone kind of has their, is kind of starting into their roles amongst the tribe, which yeah. is kind of cool. So I like the introduction of the flogs. Like, I like having mm-hmm. that be a part of it. I just feel like now we have even another level of menace because we have Morag, mm-hmm. who's just like straight up the worst, you know, yeah. and then we have the Dulocs, who are definitely bad, but they're just a little bit more like, they're, they're not evil like Morag, you know? Yeah. And now you have the Flogs, which are dangerous in that they're just so big and powerful, you know? Yeah. And like, you can see here where something is manipulated and suddenly they're like a huge threat. So I kind of like that we're introducing yeah. this, like, you know, again, the Ewoks are just like non-technological, just like furry little teddy bears running around. And there's multiple <laughs> levels of potential danger. And I think that's, Threats, you know, that's yeah. kind of a cool setting. Not the first giants we've seen on Endor, though. True. So there's that's true. that. That's true. So apparently Endor has the tiniest of people and the biggest of Apparently, people. yeah. Oh, Morag's minions ride those, like, spider things. Yes. They're not, they're not quite like spiders, right? So you see them as being big. Yeah. And you kind of always gauge things like, okay, they appear to kind of tower over the Ewoks. Maybe, you know, if the Ewoks are like three feet, maybe those things are like nine, 10 feet, maybe 12, right? Then we have the baby, the flog baby, and those minions come up behind the baby and you see the baby look up. Yeah. And he's like terrified. And these things look like suddenly like they're 20 feet tall. So we've kind of lost, I I thought that that was, I'm always like a scale person. I I see, you know, I'm always paying attention to those weird details like that. And I thought, well, that seems really weird because now the scale, now they seem scaled like they're 20 feet high. Oh, I see what you mean. You know, and they seem way bigger now. Yeah. I don't, you know, I thought that that was really funny. Like, Mm. I guess I just, either they made them bigger for this episode or I just viewed them as being a lot smaller than they actually are other Mm. episodes. So, (laughs) you know, I kind of wonder if we're phasing out Morag if they just were kind of like, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, because she's too evil. I feel yeah. like she is a level of dark. You know, we've said that, you know, the stakes in shows of this era always tended to be a little bit higher. Like, the menace was yeah. more clear. But I'm trying to think about shows that were contemporaries of this. If you think about, like, the Snorks or even the Smurfs, it's like, yes, Gargamel mm-hmm. is chasing the Smurfs and he's, like, trying to eat them. So that's a dark premise right there. But he's just like a big dumb idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like the mix of Morag he's, and the Duke. Right. Gargamel is not really like a scary character, even yeah. though he wants to eat Smurfs. Whereas Morag, I think, is legit like a weird, withered old forest witch who is evil. And I wonder if maybe yeah. they were just like, mm, that's not really the tone we're going for. Well, her motivation is revenge right. and vengeance and yeah. to, to destroy them, where. You know, Gargamel. He likes Smurfs. He's hungry. He's, he's, a he's hungry. hungry. Guy. He prefers Smurfs. Yeah, yeah, it's like me going out and having a steak instead yeah. of a burger. Like right. Steak. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you gotta have it. You gotta have so, it. So I yeah. kind of wonder if maybe they, because because we've knocked it also for having some tonal issues, where in that first yeah. episode, half the time it's just like, oh, super goofy, and the other half it's like we're gonna burn these people alive. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. So <laughs> maybe maybe this episode is kind of a transition out of what they envisioned as a darker version of Ewoks, you know, 
into a, a, a goofier, lighter kind of show. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see. And I wouldn't so, mind uh, that, you know? Like, I, I would watch the Smurfs or the Snorks right now. Like, I don't need that dark edge <laughs> as long yeah, as, yeah. you know what I mean? As long as there's something that's, like, fun and engaging to watch. So I'm not saying that's going to, like, spell doom for the show. Yeah. But for, yeah, I don't think so. But, but I felt like this episode just didn't didn't quite cut it because it was almost like too goofy it's you just gotta you gotta pick a tone and i don't think they have yet would it have been better if there were gliders yes of course it would steve obviously it would have been better (laughs) if there were gliders what kind of question is that we were on such a hot streak you know giant vlog return of the jedi the two movies and the first cartoon we get wicked on a glider and not again since then i have to settle for him gliding around in the opening credits and that's just not enough for me <laughs> it's true so it's oh, making man. it harder and harder to pick my ichiwawa moment what was yours this time uh, yeah so my ichiwawa moment was the moment where tebow heard the the spirits of the trees and they spoke to him i thought that that was that for me i was just like whoa okay his character just by that line has immediately started to develop yeah right that's true so so i thought that was really cool this is my first Ichiwawa moment that does not go to an Ewok because I'm going to give it to Morag this time because I think this plan is really solid. I think it's, it's really solid to confuse and <laughs> tick off these flogs and just aim them at the Ewoks. And the fact that she goes the extra step of like throwing some Ewok clothes around where the baby was. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like it's not footprints or something simple. She's like, no, these big dumb potato people are idiots. Put Ewok <laughs> clothes right here so there's no confusion. <laughs> So crafty, crafty yeah. is more egg in this episode. And for that, she gets my Chihuahua moment. Yeah, no, I think that was, that is well earned. So what is, what do you think your Okavark moment is? Oh, the poopy diaper. No question. The poopy diaper. No question. <laughs> when the Dulocs are babysitting and like the shaman is like, Oh, someone needs to. And then it's like pointing to the diaper. I was like, no, this is not the content I'm here for. No, thank you. Yeah, so no. giant, giant orange Shrek poopy diaper boy was uh mine was uh similar but it was the happened like 30 seconds after that part when he rips the tree out oh yeah. you just tied him to that tree yeah it's like dead and he yeah. just like crawls away and it's just like yeah comes right out yeah i was like oh that was their mistake yeah. they walked yeah. away yeah see so, i feel like <laughs> i feel like your negative thing is usually something where someone made a mistake and my negative thing is usually something that's like this was a stupid <laughs> yeah. part of the plot it's just a stupid part <laughs> so of it's that. nice that we uh we were mixing that up. i don't know the, the diaper i forgot about the diaper i didn't want to yeah, wanna yeah. I think that is pretty good yeah that's is a, there like a is there a moral this time i don't so i do, I, just... I can tell you up front that i did not learn anything from this episode <laughs> <laughs> always watch your children and I, I don't know. well i mean that's like a, everyone i mean even yes, the flogs ran away i guess from the if kids. you need to hear that then yes always watch your children <laughs> it's hard i guess it's hard to like keep track of like a two thousand pound baby <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah. i don't know i think it's like something around like watching what you say right because okay you know, they set up that scene where they're all teasing each other about, you know, they're teasing Wicket about the fact that, you know, Milani likes Wicket, which is funny because, like, just a little bit earlier, Nisa was teasing Latara that, you know, she likes Tebow. So, right. we, you know, we, we got that setup of, like, okay, Latara and Tebow and then Milani and Wicket. But Milani and Wicket really aren't a thing. It's kind of like 
um, Linus and uh, Charlie Brown's little sister. I can't remember what her oh, name Sally. is. Sally. Sally, yeah. yeah. Was just like, you know, nah, like she's yeah. a little sister, but she kind of has a crush on right. him. My so it's, that, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, it's never going to happen, but it's kind of cute. Yeah. So that, that Milani likes Wicket. But uh, yeah, like, watch what you say. Yeah. You know, because we'll I, you it. know, he, we'll have to. Yeah. You know, yeah. You just be careful what you say. Because she, you know, she was hurt. She was obviously hurt. She yeah. ran away crying. You know, and then he he did the right thing and he apologized. Sensitive you know, guy so. you are. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Do, the baseball, like any do the baseball movies him. make you cry? Do you cry at Field of Dreams? <laughs> I don't think. No, I think I was too young to really cry at okay. Field of Dreams. All I don't right. think I cried at any baseball movies. Angels in the Outfield also can be a bit of a tearjerker here and there. Yeah, when when they're waving their hands yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, when they're flapping their wings, a lot of good and he's stuff. just lying to them. A lot of sweet oh, Tony yeah. Danza action. Uh, oh, what yeah. what that what's that guy's name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt has set outright if Disney oh, Plus yeah, wants to Gordon- make. And if Joseph Gordon-Levitt said if Disney Plus wants to make an Angels in the Outfield show, he's there. <laughs> so I think that's yeah. hilarious, and I'd watch it. A show, it. though? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I feel like a show would be a little too much for that. There's, yeah. I mean, it's compelling plot because it... <laughs> Unlike an Ewok show, which apparently... Unlike an Ewok show, yeah. There's plenty. There's <laughs> Some plenty. things are better movies. Well, what, in this case, what are, are they better as a show? I don't know. What do you think ratings-wise for this episode? I don't know, man. This was like a 2.5 for me because they... You're right. They had such a good plot with with or a yep. scheme, I should say. Yep. Morag's scheme or her plot to do, you know, doom the Ewoks was perfect. Yeah. And it just did not follow through yeah. with content. Yep. You know? I agree. And that's disappointing. That's and what I, I was it, you know, or, yeah. That's like what I was going to say too. 2.5, I was going to go straight up too because there were yeah. I mean there was there were elements here that as we talked about it I was like yeah okay that's cool but I didn't enjoy watching this episode and even even yeah. with the repetitive nature of 1 and 2 I still liked watching it this one I was kind of like oh. wow. Yeah. <laughs> 8 more minutes, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Well the, they never destroyed the the I mean I at least thought they would rip out a few of the the Ewok village trees. Yeah. And at the end would be like this, oh, we're sorry, we misunderstood. You know, like Wicket would have been able to apologize to Milani. The Flogs would apologize to the uh, Ewoks. Yeah. It would be this whole like, oh, see, this is what they missed their opportunity of like, yeah. oh, see, if you don't know all the information and you make a right. rash decision. No, we didn't go there. You know, we didn't go there, and that's what would have been. That would have been compelling. It's too bad that Morag didn't have any of the soap from last week because she could have just soaked <laughs> that baby up, and then nobody could have found it. Yeah, you know, that's all I'm saying. Oh, well, man. next next week's episode, I looked ahead at the synopsis, and it actually does sound kind of fun. So maybe that okay. one, and that that's a different writer, and so this will be sort of like the the next wave of. Uh, episodes here so we'll see how it goes so listeners uh please watch along with us and send us your comments you know at this endorian life or right on facebook and join us next time as we begin diving into season one episode four to save deej this endorian life was brought to you by the radio meanwhile network you can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website radiomeanwhile.com Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or Twitter at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Ichiwawa! Ichiwawa!